Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Wild Idaho Podcast, brought to you by the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the land you love. This podcast is the place to find your community, get inspired to take action for the Idaho you love, and hear stories from real people who are making a difference to our amazing state of Idaho. Welcome to the Wild Idaho Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Hopkins, and I'm really glad you can be here to join us. It's now December of 2017, which means that the Idaho Legislature's 2018 session is less than a month away. And to prep for that, this episode is going to focus on the upcoming legislative session. So I sat down with ICL's Government Relations Director to talk about ICL's history in the legislature, as well as what we have to look forward to in this upcoming legislative session. Hope you guys enjoy. I'm here with Jonathan Oppenheimer, ICL's staff lobbyist to talk all things 2018 legislature. Jonathan, welcome to the Wild Idaho podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Nice. Um, so I think let's start out 30,000 foot view. You're a lobbyist. And I, I feel like in a sense, a lobbyist is kind of a four letter word in some communities. Um, so what exactly does a lobbyist do? Like what, what is your job as a lobbyist? Well, I mean, the fundamental aspect of it is that we track legislation, we make sure that, that, uh, that we're taking a close look at it, figuring out what are the implications for Idaho's environment, people of Idaho, clean water, clean air, you know, whatever the topic might be, um, develop a position on that, and then make sure that the legislators know what our position is, and, and uh, hopefully that has some influence over the way they vote. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, it doesn't necessarily seem to have a lot of impact. Uh, we're, uh, it's definitely a, a largely uphill battle over in the state house, but, uh, but, you know, that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, I think that the, the reason that lobbyists is such a loaded term is because of the fact that, um, because money and corporate interests have kind of, um, you know, the senses is that they've gained the system and that they, you know, uh, you know, lavish gifts and, and trips and other things on, on legislators and then get sweetheart deals as a result. That is not the way that the Idaho Conservation League uh, <laughs> lobbying program works. Uh, but I will say that ICL since 1973 has had a, a lobbyist in the legislature and this was really one of the, the foundational reasons that Idaho was, was established or that Idaho Conservation League was established. Uh, to provide a voice for conservation in the legislature. Because there were a lot of groups around the state, a lot of small grassroots groups, um, you know, from Bonners Ferry down to Idaho Falls and uh, Boise and Moscow and all points in between. But they didn't really feel like they had a voice when it came to the legislature. And so that was really one of the founding uh, principles upon which ICL was established. So, uh, And every year since 1973, we've had a full-time lobbyist over there um, working and, and, um, and conveying our positions and working to protect the air we breathe, the water we drink, and the land we love. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. Rick touched on the history, like how ICL was founded, really, with the, con- the legislature in mind. So it's it's kind of neat that that's just this recurring theme. And even though we pick up all these different projects, the constant at ICL is we're going to be there every legislative session. So I think it's really amazing. Um, so I, I know you do a lot with politics. You're, you're also our government relations director, which is amazing. Um, and so I know you track a lot of the federal bills, but I wanted to focus specifically in this podcast on the state legislature. Mm-hmm. And, and to kind of get us started there, 
how exactly does it work? Um, people may know, people may not even know when, when they're in session. So give us the, the, the basics. Sure. So the Idaho legislature meets for, it's, it's a, it's a citizen legislator legislature. So, uh, each of the elected officials, you know, um, you know, at least for the most part, they, they have a, a day job. They're insurance salesmen, they're farmers, they're ranchers, they work in universities, they work for schools, you know, we've got some teachers and some others, uh, who are our legislators there. And so they, it's really a part-time uh, position. Legislators are paid, I think it's about $17,000 a year. Um, and they're in session for about three months from January through mid to late March. Sometimes it, it bleeds a little bit into April, uh, depending on the year. Uh, it kicks off this year uh, on January 8th. Uh, and because it's an election year and their primary set for May, it's anticipated that it'll be a little bit shorter session because there are, every single one of the legislators are up for re-election. Mm-hmm. Every Senate seat, every House seat is up every two years. Uh, and so they're going to be heading home to campaign or wanting to um, pretty quickly and, and get things wrapped up and, and also likely avoid a lot of the really controversial issues this year. But so anyways, the, the way that it works is is you've got the legislature in, in session and um, you know, really anyone, any individual legislator can, can bring a bill. It's got to pass through the, the appropriate committee. Um, and just the, you know, quick and dirty of it is, is they have an initial print hearing to decide whether or not they're even going to print the bill. They're not supposed to get into the details of the bill at that point, just to decide whether or not the, the bill is actually going to see the light of day. So, uh, really yeah. like an example about it, say, say I'm the legislature mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I want to bring a bill that I can ride my bike on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And so I would just come to, to a print here and say, this yep. is the title of my be- bill. Yep. Can I, can I proceed? Right. And that's like, that's just the surface. That's right. all they get into. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the issue. It depends on who's bringing the bill. Sometimes these quote unquote print hearings, which really aren't supposed to get into the substance of the bill, mm-hmm. um, do start delving into the details a little bit. And, and depending on which party is bringing the bill and which party is in control and how they feel about the member bringing the bill, maybe they print it, maybe they don't. Are, are you um, suggesting there's politics involved? There is the politics. Yeah. It's surprising. But uh, yes, there are politics involved. Um, and, uh, so anyways, you know, the gist of it is, is that, you know, bills are, they, they have a print hearing and then at some point at a later date, um, they would have a a full committee hearing though. That's largely up to the chair of the committee. So a lot of times you hear, uh, references to a committee chairman putting a bill in his drawer, basically killing a bill for the year and, and committee chairman, um, have that ability to basically kill a bill if they just don't want to schedule a hearing. Um, and so, I mean, there are, there are ways that they can try to go around that and try to take it to a different committee and, uh, you know, try to influence the chairman in a different way or to, to somehow get their bill heard. But it's at that next uh, committee hearing where there's an opportunity for public testimony, where they really delve in and they get into the weeds of the bill. They consider, you know, specific language. They might consider amendments in committee and then it passes on to the, to the floor of the House or the Senate. Uh, if it passes there with a simple majority, then it would be transferred over to the other body in the legislature. So if it starts in the House, it's going to go to the Senate. If it starts in the Senate, it's going to go to the House. Um, and then uh, if they both agree to it, then it's on its way to the governor's desk for a signature uh, where he has an opportunity to veto it. Um, if he does veto it, um, then it goes back to the, it can go back to the legislature for uh, a, basically a, a veto override that takes, I think, two thirds of the legislature to override a governor's veto. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So anyways, that's kind of the, the, the real quick and dirty uh, explanation of, of how the legislature works. Um, and uh, yeah, the hope is the hope is that they get out of there in time for spring break so that we can enjoy it with our kids and, uh, and get out on the road and do something fun. Um, but uh, more often than not, uh, it, uh, it extends in through, uh, through May and, and, or through, through March and, and into April at some mm-hmm. point. Um, the Tree Fort Music Festival is also a big focus for a number of, a number of lobbyists that they'd, they'd like to have that be the target adjournment date, but it doesn't um, always happen that way. Happen that way so. Nice. Um, so one thing I want to touch on too, there's a lot that goes through the legislature and it's not just bills that particular legislators are proposing, but also all the state agencies have to bring forth any changes they're proposing. And there's kind of a way that that occurs. Um, Mm -hmm. can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, figuring the legislature is about a three month period. The first month is really, well, the the first week or so, there's not a whole lot that happens. You have the the uh, governor's state of the state address, and you have the the committees getting organized. Sometimes you have new chairmen, and so they come in and they uh, kind of get their r- regular order established and and uh, and feel each other out a little bit. Um, and uh, but then in that first month, really the focus primarily is on. Um, bring forward some of the rule changes. And so when they make, when agencies are, are amending, updating, or bringing new uh, rules forward for how they are interpreting laws in general is the way that rules can be described, um, they, uh, they have to bring those forward through the legislature for approval. Um, and so really the first month of the legislature, January, is mostly focused on uh, those rules. And so the agencies will come in and they'll present the rules. They'll talk about why they were, uh, why they were amended. In some cases, they do allow public testimony. In other cases, they don't. Uh, it's really the, the, the chairman of the committee has a lot of discretion over how they handle the hearings and, and whether they allow testimony and, and that kind of thing. But in general, the agencies come in, present their rules. Um, presuming that those bills pass, um, then uh, then they are forwarded on and and uh, you know go through the other body. They they generally vote on a rules package though at the very end of the legislature. So they do the kind of homework in committee, and then it all gets wrapped into a big resolution at the end of the legislature mm-hmm. uh, in March or in April, um, where they actually pass those on the floor of the House and the Senate. Okay. Yeah. And I just so our listeners know, I. Um, really understanding all the work that ICL does. So uh, a quick example, um, Jonathan mentioned that the rules uh, kind of reflect or, or give more detail to the laws. And, and an example of that is the Clean Water Act will say, you know, water should, we need to clean up all the water in the U.S. And I'm, I'm obviously very much paraphrasing here, but it, it's that vague. And then the state issues these rules that say, okay, clean water means you can only have this much mercury in the water and you can only have this much nutrients in the water. And, and so these, these rules are the specific details that go into how we then regulate and, and protect all our rivers and streams in Idaho amongst our air quality, you know, how we handle hazardous waste, all these things. So the work you do in the legislature directly affects the work that some of the rest of the programs mm-hmm. have does throughout the year when we're working on permits and dealing with agencies and um, so I just think it's kind of neat to, mm-hmm. to think about that like 
you know, these rules have a direct effect on the rest mm-hmm. of the work that ICL does. Right. And, and uh, you know, as, as bills, as issues come up that, that deal with some, uh, whether it's a specific location in the state or a specific topic, what I'll often do is come back and sit down and, and visit with the right person here at, at ICL. In some cases, you know, the expert might be from another organization that we work with, mm-hmm. um, compare notes and, and make sure that we're taking everything into account. But so at, when they, when, you know, as they're wrapping up their kind of rule, consideration of rules, then you kind of get into the meat of the legislature in February and into the early part of March where they're bringing new proposals forward. All, all in the meantime here, the JFAC, the Joint Finance and, Admi- and Appropriations Committee, which is made up of both House and Senate members, that's the Joint Committee, um, they are meeting all along to consider agency budgets mm-hmm. uh, and passing those budgets. And that's really the, the you know, key fundamental job of the Idaho legislature is to ensure that, that state government is is funded and that those bills are passed each year so that those you know other agencies of the the state government can continue to operate and so that's you know if if jfac isn't done if the budgets haven't been passed the legislature is not adjourning they're they're mm-hmm. sticking around and so that's kind of the you know that is the once they get done with the budget that's when um that's when they start really considering you know what's called signy die which is um the adjournment and so so, you know, that's kind of the, the, uh, the, the benchmark at the end of the legislature. And so in the meantime, you've got, um, you know, you've got opportunity basically for, for new proposals to come forward, new legislative proposals, new laws. Um, the governor's office uh, is, is proposing, uh, you know, law, law changes, legislative changes. The uh, agency heads and agency administrators are, are proposing changes individual legislators and I mean citizens can uh, bring forward legislation as well uh, as long as they've got a, a sponsor in the in the legislature to do it so okay. um, you know citizens can work with a legislator if they've got an issue that they feel strongly about bring that forward and, and uh, see whether or not they can get something to fly so nice yeah. um, I want to give you the opportunity you know we as you mentioned we've had a legislator or excuse me a lobbyist every year in the legislature since 1973 that's a lot of history and are, mm-hmm. are there any historic moments either in your tenure or of, of lobbyists in the past that you think are noteworthy yeah uh, i mean there there are a lot of you know different successes that we have had over the years different challenges different stumbling blocks and whatnot um you know in, in a lot of cases just because of the the makeup of the legislature because of uh, who is in there? You know, it is it is an uphill battle for us. There's there's no question. I mean, Idaho is a a very conservative state. Uh, it's a uh, you know has a, a very strong history of a kind of resource natural resource uh, extraction state. Uh, the agriculture community is is very strong, and so in a lot of cases, uh, you know, ICL has been up against uh, some challenges in the legislature. To put it pretty mildly, um, you know, that said, we've we've been remarkably successful, and I think that you know one of the hallmarks of ICL's work is that we're willing to roll up our sleeves and and find common ground, and obviously advocate strongly for for issues that we all we feel um, are important, like protecting clean water and clean air and uh, citizens' rights to engage in, in how decisions are made and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we've, we've done a pretty good job of being able to build some bridges and, and find common ground. And so I think that, um, you know, 
there are there are a number of examples you know on the on the whole public lands takeover was a was a big one a big fight that we had that start kicked off kind of in 2013 uh where there were some resolutions that were passed um those those were able to fly through largely on uh you know partisan uh party lines um but then a couple years later there was i think it was in 2014 15, there was a bill that would have joined Idaho up in an interstate compact to pursue um, legal and uh, legislative efforts to try to compel the federal government to transfer all uh, federally administered public lands to the states. And so that was something that actually passed the House. Uh, and then in the Senate committee, we were able to work pretty strategically to, to uh, get that killed. And so we were able to kill that on a, a committee vote and able to stall that out so that it didn't advance to the full uh, Senate floor. And so that was a pretty significant victory for all the folks in Idaho that really care about public lands and, and keeping them in public hands. Um, you know, another uh, example on that, the on public lands was last year, you know, this was really a, a show of force when we had over 2,600 folks show up on the steps of the Capitol on a rainy Saturday in March, uh, professing their love and commitment to keeping public lands in public hands. That was a pretty noteworthy event there. It was the largest conservation-related gathering in the history of the state. Wow. Um, and I think sent a pretty strong message that uh, that that taking over or or stealing public lands from the American people was a deeply unpopular idea and one that that there really is no grassroots support for. Um, and in fact, quite the opposite, there's a strong amount of, of grassroots support to protect our public lands and to keep them in public hands. And so that was pretty noteworthy. Uh, you know, other examples, I mean, the, the wolf plan from several years ago, that was probably uh, early part of the, the 2000s um, when ICL was able to work with um, some very conservative members to, to get some changes made to the wolf plan um, to uh, basically recognize that, that wolves are a part of the environment and, and uh, they shouldn't just be kind of exterminated again. And so, so that was another achievement. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there have been a lot of achievements, you know, a lot of them are, you know, either directly through the legislature or working with the governor's office. I know dealing with the, the coal-fired power plant that was proposed down in the Magic Valley several years ago and, and uh, putting a stop to that. But there are a number of examples, I think, um, you know, getting the, getting the state to, to take uh, Clean Water Act plans, what are called TMDLs. Uh, ensuring that there was a schedule to move those forward. A lot of times it, it's kind of using uh, different tools. So you might bring legislation in federal district court uh, that then results in a settlement agreement with the state of Idaho that then results in some legislation being passed through the state house uh, in order to codify that. So a lot of times, you know, we work, we try to work as strategically as possible to, to try to get the protections that, that clean water and clean air and the people of Idaho deserve. So. Nice. Yeah. Quite the history. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then and segueing from history to kind of the meat and potatoes of, of what we're going to talk about today, mm -hmm. um, as we're already, I mean, such a, we're already like 20 minutes in. So, right. But what do we have to look forward to? This you know, year? <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's always a little bit of a guessing game. You know, you have some sense of some things that, that are really likely to come, uh, and, and then the rest of it is you're just... 
you're just, you know, checking the legislative website and checking those committee hearings every night. You know, they post their their, their hearings at about 9.30 the night before. Uh, and so you hop online and you figure out what's coming up the next day and, and uh, what's going to be on the agenda. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, there are uh, you know, issues related to clean water and wildlife. Um, we're going to see potentially some issues related to public lands come up, you know, because it's an election year, because a number of, of uh, senators and representatives are running for other offices. You've got, I think, six or seven folks over there in the state house that are running for higher office. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's the potential for some grandstanding. And so uh, we will see whether or not, um, you know, how, how it all plays out. You know, a lot of the a lot of the drama happens behind closed doors because there's such a super majority in the in the Idaho State House. It's you know 85 plus percent uh, dominated by Republicans, and so a lot of the decisions actually end up happening behind closed doors in the Republican caucus meetings. But even within those caucus meetings, those can be, uh, from what we hear, uh, fairly um, uh, robust uh, debates and discussions where uh, because you have kind of the different contingents within the Republican Party that are, uh, you know, angling for control. And so um, it, it's just always a guessing game about what you're going to see come up and and what the, the chairman of the committees, as I mentioned, they have they wield a lot of power. And so mm. determining, you know, which bill might get a hearing or might not get a hearing, what bill is going to get stuffed in a drawer, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, there, there are some things that, that we do anticipate coming up. Um, you know, one would be, um, well, one that we know is going to come up is funding. And so, you know, we will be working in the, in JFAC to advocate for some things like making sure that the state of Idaho is, is adequately funding the, the basically clean water, um, the clean water act program at, at the department of environmental quality. That's one that the state is taking over some additional authority for, uh, to implement clean water act permits. And so it's going to be really important that they are adequately funding those programs and, and standing them up and that they have the appropriate number of staff and, and, and funding to do their jobs. So that's something that we'll be watching. Um, there are also, uh, you know, on public lands issues, you know, whether or not there are some efforts to try to run either resolutions or bills that would, uh, put Idaho into the, into kind of the Utah camp who at least in theory is, is proposing to, uh, sue the federal government to try to compel them to transfer lands, um, to, to the state, um, you know, uh, other issues that have come back time and again are, are some of the landowner appreciation and the governor's tags for wildlife. Basically, our concern there is that it's in some ways privatizing wildlife and, and giving landowners the ability to sell tags uh, privately that, that takes away from kind of the, the uh, level playing field that we think ought to exist with regards to hunting tags uh, that everyone has an equal shot in a lottery. You know, if you want to once in a lifetime chance to hunt bighorn sheep or, or moose or, or some of the unique big game species in Idaho. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, you know, just be able to be a large wealthy landowner and, and have a, a more of a shot at that. Mm-hmm. Um, last year they did pass a, a fee game or a fishing game fee increase. Uh, that was something that fishing game really needed in a big way, uh, to make sure that they were adequately funded. Um, and, that got through that had been kind of something that that uh some folks who were angling for these landowner appreciation tags and governor's tags were holding up a little bit that fishing and fee increase 
um, because uh, they wanted to try to pair that with landowner appreciation tax. Now that that fee increase has gone through, it's an open question about whether there'll be a, another run at some of this uh, privatizing of wildlife. Um, uh, yeah, and another, uh, you know, we saw some changes to the oil and gas laws last year uh, that, that tried to, um, you know, create a little bit of more transparency and, and accountability for um, for the, the oil and gas drilling companies and, and ensuring that they were protecting some of the landowners. Uh, that did go through, and so it's an open question about whether we'll see some some other oil and gas legislation coming through this year. But um, but it's it's still you know it's it's an open question about exactly what you'll see, um, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons why we're there. I mean, we are we are the eyes and ears of of our members um, and and other supporters and a, a lot of other interests and, and partner groups. You know, we're we're there every day and and keeping an eye and tracking every single bill that's introduced and trying to see is there is there a link to conservation is there a link to quality of life and, and issues that people care about and so when there are those issues that come up um, we uh, we alert our members through uh, you know our alert system we do a, a weekly email legislative email called your voice for conservation uh, that goes out every Friday uh, kind of gives a, a report on what happened in the week before and what's coming up the next week. And um, do and people they, have to sign up for that? Or yeah, yeah. Right? So that's something that uh, on our website at idahoconservation.org, you can just in the top right corner there sign up for email alerts. And I think when you bring down that menu, it'll say, do you want to receive our legislative updates? And, and you just click on that. So uh, so that's really a good way to, to stay in tune with, with what's happening out there and, and what some of the issues are that are coming. Because at this stage, you know, we hear some rumors about some things that are coming but at this point don't really have a good sense you know one of the other ones just to mention i know that one of the groups that we partner with very closely is the idaho wildlife federation and they are proposing to bring a bill forward that would uh, uh allow right now um some landowners some some people are posting public land as private they are putting up no trespassing signs on public lands, whether it's BLM, Forest Service, or, or uh, state lands that are open to the public, putting up no trespassing signs, basically trying to dupe the public into thinking that these are private lands and that you can't go on them. Hmm. Right now, only the county sheriff has the authority to enforce those violations under Idaho Code. So it is illegal to post public land, but if the county sheriff doesn't really feel like doing anything, if it happens to be sheriff buddy, or if it's just however it might happen sheriffs uh, obviously you know the sheriffs have a lot of things to worry about right mm -hmm. now and they're they are underfunded and, and we've seen a, a decrease in the funding for for sheriffs um, and so uh, it's just not high on their radar screen and so uh, what this bill would do is it would allow citizen enforcement of that if you know an area is, is public if it's illegally posted you can basically bring suit um, if this law were to pass uh, to, to compel that person to remove those signs and then be eligible for damages as well. Um, so anyways, that's, that's something that we could see in terms of some positive legislation. Another thing that there's been some discussion about is, is establishing a new state park up at Horse Thief uh, Reservoir. Oh, cool. Um, that is up near Cascade, just in between Cascade and Warm Lake there. Um, and a really great spot for you know families to go out ice fishing in the winter and, and fishing and camping in the summer. Um, and uh, we haven't seen a new state park established in a number of years, and so that's something that people are talking about as, as another uh, as another bill that we could see this year. So, um, 
So those are just some of the things. Another another one that we've heard some rumblings about is is some legislation dealing with electric bikes, e-bikes. Um, and right now, there's there's not much in state code that that deals with e-bikes, and so there's some question whether they're currently legal on roads, whether they're legal on sidewalks and, and that kind of thing. And so trying to establish some, some common uh, rules for the state uh, and then providing an opportunity for local municipalities, whether it's cities or counties, to establish some, some rules of their own underneath that. And so that's something else that we could see, could see coming forward this year. One of the other issues that we know is gonna be coming up in the legislature this year and has the potential to be coming up pretty early in the session deals with the school science standards. This is uh, part of the State Department of Education. Uh, they put forward their rules that establish the curriculum for our schools, um, K through 12. And so this is um, a topic that has been out there before these science standards. They haven't been updated, I don't think, in, since 2001. So we're really dealing with some older standards that really aren't very robust. And this will actually be the third year that these standards have come forward. And the reason that they've been tied up in the past has been over concern with how the state was going to teach climate change. And so um, this uh, it was turned back last year uh, in the House. And, and because the House and the Senate have to agree on rules if they're going to move forward, um, the Senate basically was forced to go along. But the State Department of Education did go back. They took another look at these five standards, which were rejected. Um, and came up with some new language from our perspective. Um, you know, they, they are trying to balance the issue a little bit, but still really are doing the job of ensuring that our kids are learning about climate change or understanding some of the different contributors to it uh, and are, are, you know, engaging in kind of inquiry-based learning to understand the issue and, and to delve into it. And so we are hopeful that uh, third time is going to be the charm and that we're going to actually get these over the finish line this year. And uh, most indications are that that, that is going to happen. And so we're looking forward to seeing, seeing our, our kids and, and our schools and our school teachers have the ability to, to teach 21st century science because it is the 21st century. Nice. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, as always, it sounds like it's going to be a very busy time. I know during when the legislature is in session, you're, you're quite busy. So... Uh, you know, not only from me, but all staff and supporters, thanks for, for doing so much. Um, you know, I, I think a plug to all of our listeners and supporters, the YBC, Your Voice for Conservation, is, is the best way to stay up to date on what's going on. It provides, you know, all these things that we don't really know, what, any bills that could come up. YBC is the way that we tell our members and supporters. So definitely subscribe to that. It's a, it's a great way to stay informed. There's an added bonus to that, and this, this will be the last question that I'll pose to you. At the bottom of YVC, there's the tie of the week. And right. for those who aren't subscribed to the tie of the week, it's quite phenomenal. I definitely recommend it. But it's, there's, there's kind of a thing about ties in the legislature. Um, give, us, give us not only the history of tie of the week, but also mm -hmm. ties in the legislature. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, so, um, so I, I think it was uh, a guy named Bob Fick who may have started this, or, or it might have even preceded him. He was the longtime reporter uh, for the Associated Press here in Idaho, and the, um, and the idea was that as the session goes on and as you want to encourage legislators to go home to their friends and families and their communities, because uh, in some cases they have um, kind of uh, worn out their welcome here in the in the. <laughs> In the Boise area or in the, the halls of the legislature that you wear uglier and uglier ties as it gets towards the end of the session. And so, you know, recognizing that theme and recognizing the fact that I had 
um, kind of a, a, an ugly tie collection already. When I assumed this role, I uh, always was eager to uh, wear some of those ties that let's just say uh, my wife didn't necessarily look kindly upon when I wanted to wear them for other events and that kind of thing. And so it provided me an outlet to, uh, to wear some of those ties. But then uh, as, I, as I took up the mantle as the ICL lobbyist a few years ago, this will be my third session, uh, we decided to to do something uh, fun and and uh, and so the um, so the goal was to wear a different tie for each day of the legislative session, wow. uh, which I managed to do for the last couple of years, um, and then also to feature a tie of the week that somehow relates to an issue that was either addressed in the legislature or was upcoming. And so I've got a a pretty good collection of of, of ties with wildlife themes or transportation themes or public lands or hunting or mountains or uh, rivers or, or whatever it might be. And so, uh, but I'm always looking for, for other, uh, other ties. So if you're out there at a thrift shop and you see something that relates to anything environment, um, feel free to snap it up and send it our way and we'll, <laughs> we'll uh, figure out some way to compensate you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we feature a tie of the week every, every week at the end of that YVC, the Your Voice for Conservation email. And uh, and try to tie it in, no pun intended, to uh, to something that's happening in the legislature. Nice. I mean, talk about incentive. Not only do yeah. you stay informed, but you get to see Jonathan's ties get right. progressively uglier. There, I have heard that there are some people that subscribe to our email just to see the tie of the week. So nice. It's worth it. Yeah. Well, with that, thanks for taking the time to walk us through this. This was a, a huge subject, and it's it's hard to compress that down to thirty minutes. But I think you did a fantastic job. So thank you. Absolutely. Really Happy to do it. it. Good luck, and uh, a little preview too, we're going to do a couple of these throughout the legislative session, so kind of mid-session, we're going to mm -hmm. do another check-in with you, and then at the end of it, we'll kind of do a review of, of everything that happened, so give something for our listeners to, to look forward to. Looking forward to it. Cool. Thanks so much, Op. As always, thank you so much to all of our members and supporters. Uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible without your support, so if you're a member, thank you once again. Uh, if you're not a member, check us out, idahoconservation.org. You can keep track of everything we're doing in the legislature, as well as all the work we're doing throughout the state. So with that, we're signing off on another episode of the Wild Idaho Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening in, and I look forward to you listening in on the next one. Take care. <laughs>